Um, okay, so uh, we stopped halfway last week. Well, not halfway, but I didn't want to leave it there. So we'll continue our look at the rapture of the church and um, what the Bible says about uh, the Great Tribulation also. Two different events and how they come. They are for two different groups. Anyone need a Bible? They're up the front. So we're going to be turning to plenty of verses. Um, so as you make your way to 1 Thessalonians, just a quick review. We spoke last time about um, how the chief priests and elders that represent the nation of Israel, we spoke how they were responsible for the killing of the Messiah. We all know uh, but, uh, that he laid down his life, but humanly speaking, the nation of Israel um, uh, did that, and we saw that in Matthew 27. Also, you don't have to turn to these, but whoever's taking notes can take them. Uh, so we saw that in Matthew 27, verse uh, 24 and 25. So praise God that doesn't count for us. And we spoke about how um, someone has to pay for that. They cut off the Messiah. God manifest in the flesh. We saw that in the Old Testament. And that's, the, that's, the, um, that's why uh, the nation of Israel will go through the Great Tribulation as a nation, not individually. We spoke about that, how individual Jews absolutely can get saved and be part of the body of Christ now and be part of the bride. We spoke about how Jesus called that, uh, the nation of Israel generation of vipers. How can ye being evil speak good things? That's what he told the representative of the nation of Israel. Um, and this plays a major part in the reason why it's called Jacob's trouble, which is not the church's trouble, and Israel's tribulation. We saw then in Zechariah how many prophecies were fulfilled. The prophecy about Jesus Christ, entry to Jerusalem on a donkey, um, well known as Palm Sunday. We saw how um, Zechariah prophesied about um, Judas betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. We saw that. Very specific, and it was fulfilled. Zechariah also in chapter 12 tells us another prophecy of Israel shall look upon him who, whom they have pierced. And because they have pierced him and they killed the Messiah, they put him on the cross, um, that's part of why they will go through the great tribulation, the 21 judgments. Um, this study will go on. So this is a continuation of about nine lessons that we've already had. And this will keep going on, and we're going to turn it, turn it into a study of the book of Revelation. Uh, and so um, in Zechariah, we saw how the Lord said, I'll pour upon the house of David, and they shall uh, look upon me whom they have pierced. Revelation also cross-references perfectly to that. It says in Revelation um, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, who, and they also which pierced him. And so we know in the rapture, not everyone's going to see him. This is talking about the second coming. Um, uh, Zechariah 13 goes back to the death of the Lord, prophesies the death of the Lord um, in Zechariah 13, uh, verse 7 to 9. And tells of the suffering of Israel among the nations and, and among the world. And, but God will bring a third part of them through the fire. That's not the church. He's gonna, we spoke about that last time. That he's going to bring a third part of the nation through the fire, through the great tribulation, um, through the judgments. And Zechariah 13 verse 9 and I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and try them as gold is tried. We don't need to do that. We've already believed and called upon the name of the Lord. They shall call on my name. We've done that. And I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. So we, as a church, we've already done that. He's talking about the nation of Israel, obviously, because we're in the Old Testament. Um, his people rejected him and they crucified him. So he's going to uh, get them through. He's, uh, they're going to go through that great tribulation. Zechariah 13. We spoke about why would the church have any part of that? 
unless some believers um, believe that they need to get tested to endure through the great tribulation, which is a work salvation. So we spoke about that uh, in the past. Zechariah 14, verse 4, says very clearly, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. We spoke about that. And we spoke about how um, the rapture, his feet don't land on the earth. We meet him in the air. Uh, so uh, they're two different things. This Lord Jesus coming, when his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, just not the rapture. Jerusalem then uh, shall then be delivered and the Lord shall reign over all the earth. Um, and then we went through some New Testament uh, verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks after, uh, seek after wisdom. And, and we spoke about how looking for signs is a sign of unbelief. Better be careful. We, we, we better um, be careful we don't get caught up in all this sign, looking for signs, because we spoke about looking for signs, take your eyes off Jesus Christ. And it takes a lot of Christians' uh, eyes off witnessing for Jesus, following Jesus and serving Him, and they start looking for signs. So we, we saw how believers don't look for signs. Believers don't need signs. Uh, believers are not given any signs. The, church, the church's path is totally, um, entirely of faith, and that faith includes the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll go into that a bit more tonight. Um, and so the Jews were told they could know when their redemption was nigh because they would see certain things. We know the rapture is close because we can see certain things that have got to do with the second coming. But st stating that anyone knows the date of the rapture, I, I don't believe you can do that. And so I stay, stay away from that. But when we're looking for signs that the Bible talks about, like in Matthew 24, and that when they start to happen, we can know the rapture's near. But we've spoken before and we'll see it again. Even Paul thought the rapture was near back when he wrote the epistles to the church. So um, the rapture can happen at any time. He kept saying that. But the second coming, that's a different story. So two separate events, two separate group of people. Uh, so the Jews were told this, that their redemption is near when they see things. Romans chapter 8, we saw, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 23 to 25, we saw, we are waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body, physical body. We've been redeemed spiritually by the blood of the Lamb. Now we're waiting for that change, which is lesson one on YouTube uh, about um, the rapture. We're waiting for that redemption of our body to change into that glorified body so that we can meet the Lord in the air and be with in his presence and then it spoke about in romans that hope that is seen is not hope um, but if we hope for that we see not then do we with patience wait for it with patience the christian is supposed to wait for that blessed hope if we knew exactly where it was coming we wouldn't have to wait for it and it wouldn't be a hope that's why it's called the blessed hope um, and so we need to get busy doing what Jesus told us to do and telling others about Jesus because we are saved and we want to share that with others and get them saved. Uh, so we'll continue this, this evening. Uh, let's pray. Let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you, Father, for giving us this time, Lord. And we pray, Father, that you bless your word to our hearts and minds this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I've said many times, we're not preaching this to argue about anything. We're preaching this to encourage the brethren. We're preaching this to encourage the Christians that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen. And in the book of Thessalonians, Paul said the same thing. He said, stop worrying about what's going to happen. The rapture can happen at any time. Go out and be a witness for Jesus. That's all we have to worry about. And so, like I said, setting signs and looking for the Antichrist is going to take you, or looking for the beast is going to take your attention off Jesus Christ, and you're going to be too busy looking for who the Antichrist is. We'll go into that in a minute. So, um, uh, we know that there are many signs to indicate the second coming. We know that. And like I said, Matthew 24 contained the most 
uh, well-known collection of signs. Uh, if the church was going through the Great Tribulation, all the warnings to watch and be ready and anticipate the Lord's return would be useless because you'd just be waiting for whatever sign, whatever people make up, first seal, second seal, antichrist, whatever it is, all, all the way through. So all the, all the warnings to watch and be ready and anticipate and be joyful about Jesus coming to get us out of here before the 21 judgments start, that all would be useless if we were going to go through it. No one could have any hope of the coming of the Lord until they see the sign come to pass and watch the Antichrist work his works of death. No one would be interested. And as you see these days, everyone is interested in what they're not supposed to be interested in. Like I've said before, views on Antichrist, rapture, all of that, great tribulation, many views. How to live for Jesus? You're lucky if you get 100. And yet, so many Christians are watching for earthquakes, wars, pestilence, playing the guessing game on who the Antichrist is and who can find the beast first. That's what many Christians are doing. Instead of looking for Jesus and living for Him. So many false claims in the past, false prophecies have been made because of this mistake. And I don't blame them. If you believe you're going through the Great Tribulation, if I believed that, I'd be doing the guessing game too. I'd want to know when it was and I'd want to uh, get ready and get ready for it. So in history, we've seen Napoleon be accused of the Antichrist. Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin, Ronald Reagan, all, almost all the popes. And I remember that even before I was saved, people were saying the pope, I can't remember which pope it was, he was the Antichrist. Saddam Hussein. Bill Clinton, Barack, Barry, Hussein, Obama. And many more have been said to be the Antichrist and tragically it was wrong. And many more in the, in, uh, from now till the Lord comes, many more false uh, uh, claims of the Antichrist will, will happen. Why do people do this? Because unfortunately they're not looking for Jesus. They're not interested in living for Jesus, someone to live in fear. And that's a natural human inclination. And use it, some use it to do, to, uh, as an excuse to do nothing for the Lord. They're not looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. That topic is not interesting enough for some. Looking for the Antichrist, sadly, is more interesting for some, then anticipating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to make sure that's not the case with us. First Thessalonians, if you turn there, um, we'll, we'll skim through this book because we're going to get to Second Thessalonians um, chapter 1 and 2. So we'll skim through First Thessalonians and you'll notice... You'll notice firstly that it is called 1 Thessalonians, so it's the first epistle to the church. So you can't get to the second epistle to the church before you go through the first. And that, that's the same with all of them. So we must read the Bible in its order and in the future, if the Lord does, tarries, um, we'll get to go through these two epistles verse by verse like we're doing through Colossians. Because that's the best way to read the Bible. It's written in that way for a reason. And so the same thing goes with the books of the Bible. We don't get to read Revelation before we come through Genesis. And yes, of course you can. But when you're diving deep into prophecies and signs and wonders and the difference between the church and Israel and the Gentiles, we, people want to jump straight to Revelation which is a difficult to understand book, if you're not careful, and not read the rest of the, the, the books. That happens all the time. And it's the same principle. Should be read in order. Now, that's not to say on the streets I'm telling people to read Genesis from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Usually, for someone to get saved and to 
get as much knowledge as they can to grasp the salvation that is in Christ, Christ Jesus. It's the book of John and the book of Romans. But when we're studying deeper things in the, in the Word of God, people, this is the biggest mistake, people just jump to the book of Revelation because they want all the action. But they're not taking in the prophecies from the Old Testament, which we have already, and there's many more to come. So we have to take in all of it, the whole counsel of God. And so we'll just do this quickly through 1 Thessalonians. You'd notice Paul writes the epistle, and at the end of every chapter, like I mentioned on Sunday, he ends with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the point. That's the point of the epistle. Um, 20 references to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. For they themselves show, show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. We'll come back to this verse, but look how it ends. It ends with waiting for Jesus to come and deliver us from the wrath to come. Chapter 2, verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come to you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. If that's the only problem you got going through the Great Tribulation, that's going to be a blessing. You're going to get more than that if you're going through the Great Tribulation. Verse 19, For what is our hope? There it is again, that hope. Or joy. What is the hope and the joy? Is it going through the Great Tribulation? I don't think so. For what is our hope and uh, or joy? Or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. That's the rapture, and that's what he's rejoicing in. Chapter 3, verse 12. And the Lord make you increase and abound in love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. How are we going to do all these things? I've picked one verse before the coming of the Lord on purpose. How are we meant to do all these things, and how does he encourage you? The, the church to do all these things by reminding them that Jesus Christ is coming again. He didn't remind them that they're going through the great tribulation and then Jesus Christ will come and take them. He's reminding them love, increase, abounding love toward one another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. 13, to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, how? Even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. That's how. That's how he says you're going to do that. Because Jesus Christ is coming to take us again. Make full proof of the ministry. Love one toward another. Because you can guarantee he's coming to take us. Chapter 4, no mention of the tribulation here. Chapter 4, we'll cut it short. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's what I was saying. His feet don't touch the ground. And so we, uh, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll come back to this one again. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That those words are meant to be a comfort to us. That Jesus Christ is coming again. That's chapter 4 and chapter 5. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. God sanctifies, 
not ourselves. God does. God sanctifies. He does the sanctification. You've just got to be willing. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're going to find it hard to, um, if you're questioning how to be holy, sanctified, blameless, totally spirit, soul, and body, you can rely on 24. 24 says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. That's God doing the sanctification and he will take care of it. And what's the encouragement? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we go straight into 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we'll quickly read. I won't stop too many times. We'll go through this verse by verse in the future. But quickly we will read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. He's not talking about the great tribulation there. He's talking about your tribulation, your persecutions and your tribulations as you live for Jesus. Not every word that mentions tribulation is talking about the great tribulation. Christians have persecution and tribulation in their, li in their lives, in our lives, especially if you're witnessing every day for Jesus Christ. You're going to have persecution and tribulations in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. That's the evidence. It's the evident proof that they are worthy for the kingdom, uh, for the suffering caused because they chose to live righteous life. They chose to live for Jesus. And that's the manifest to token of that. Verse 6, seeing is, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Now God is the author of the tribulation. The first In verse 4, it talks about your tribulation as a Christian. In verse 6, it's talking about God recompensing tribulation to them that trouble you the non-believers, and the nation of Israel that have rejected Jesus Christ. God's going to re recompense that. You don't need to. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It doesn't say vengeance is mine. That is fine. <laughs> it says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is for the Lord. It's not for you. And so the promise there is God will recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. That's not the church. People that are troubling the church, that's who God's going to recompense tribulation. Verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, he will win. He's going to have victory. You don't have to worry about it. That's what this is the problem. This is why he's writing the second epistle to the Thessalonians. You can start to see that they were starting to worry about the tribulation happening to them. And he's telling them, you don't have to worry about that. We're winners. We're on the winning side. And we'll go into more of it now. Now he'll start introducing the the what's going to happen, just a little bit of what's going to happen in the tribulation. And then he ends with, Don't worry about that. Remember what I told you in the first epistle. Jesus Christ is coming to take us out of here. You don't have to be scared of it. And we're going to read that in chapter 2. So verse 7, it says, And you who are troubled, rest with us. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be resting. When the Lord Jesus uh, shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them, not on us taking vengeance on them that know not God. We know God. He's taking vengeance on the ones that don't know God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We obey the gospel. We've believed it. We've trusted in it. They didn't. He's going to 
with flaming fire, he's going to take vengeance on them. The ones that know not God and the ones that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You can't jump to chapter 2 without going through chapter 1. And you can't get to chapter 1 without going to the first epistle of, for the, uh, of the church of Thessalonica. Doesn't work that way. Verse 10, so all of this is going to happen to people that have obeyed not the gospel and that know not God. Who shall be, verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Guess where his saints are? Guess where we are? We're with him. Praise God. Verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. That's a tricky one. You've got to watch out for in that day. Like I said, there's much study to be done apart from what we've already done. And so you've got to be careful in how you read. And so, but just taking in what we've said, you can know what we're leading up to. Verse 11, Wherefore, also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. So he's telling them all this and he's telling us, the Holy Spirit is telling us all this because he wants us to go out in power without a doubt. Go out in power telling people about Jesus. You've got the cure for sin. Go give other people the cure for sin. You're on your way to heaven. Go tell other people how they get to heaven. And it's only through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He's saying, don't worry about anything else. And this is, the, this is the opening of the second epistle. Get your mind on the work of Christ. Forget about anything else. He's coming to take us. Verse 2. So he wants them, the end of verse 11, and the work of faith with power. Uh, verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That's, that's the purpose. The lost world needs to see you, the representative of Jesus Christ, and they need to see that and they need to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through your life and other Christians and everyone else. They're supposed to see Jesus in you and they're supposed to be glorifying Jesus Christ. You're not supposed to be showing off because of what you have done. And that's the point that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, who else is it going to be glorified in? And ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. He, he brings it up again. And he keeps repeating himself again. He's beseeching, just like in Romans 12 we read, I beseech you therefore, brethren, present your bodies as living sacrifice. Here he's doing the same thing. He's saying, please, brethren, I'm pleading with you by the promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him that ye be not shaken in mind or be troubled. That's verse 2. He's saying, I plead with you. He's coming again. Stop being shaken in mind and stop being troubled. Now, what would shake your mind and make you troubled in heart? Going through the tribulation or Jesus Christ coming to take you before the tribulation? Be very careful. Verse 2, that ye be not shaken in mind. The implication is that they were. They were getting shaken in their mind. And in verse 5, he says, Remember not that when I was with you, I told you these things. Like the usual modern day Christian doesn't remember the preaching. And I'm guilty of that, number one. 
going as a Christian, I had to hear the same message over and over and over again because all the junk that I used to, I was used to, was so easy to remember. Worldly songs, rap music, rock music, whatever music you want to do, and movies. We used to know the movie, movie from start to finish. But righteous word of God, I had to keep hearing that, get rid of the junk and put in the righteousness of God's word. And that took a while. And that's why Paul told them, remember not when I was with you, I told you these things. And we see that he told them in the first epistle. Keep your mind on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But because they started being shaken and troubled, he comes back to it in the second epistle and he addresses it. He's saying, what are you doing? Get your mind back on Christ. Verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that, day, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So they come in hand in hand. He's talking about a day that's coming. That two things will happen. A falling away and the Antichrist. We should know by now that the son of perdition is aiming at the Antichrist. He's going to be revealed and the falling away will be revealed. So he comes back to the tribulation, mentioning the tribulation. And now he starts to talk about the Antichrist. Verse 4. Verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Or that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So that's the Antichrist calling himself God. Now you know a bit of a hint why Jesus Christ didn't just go around saying, I'm God, I'm God. So when the false uh, religions come up to you and say, well, he never said he was God. Because he kept pointing that he's not the only witness. He came by the Father and the Father glorified Jesus Christ. That's the Antichrist that runs around calling himself God. Don't mix the two. And as God, he calls himself God and he wants the worship as God, showing himself in the temple of God that he is God. Now remember, uh, keep your hand there, 1 Thessalonians 15. Remember the order. 1 Thessalonians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Praise God, that's Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 20 that he's the firstfruits. Remember that. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Remember, it tells you the order of being made alive. Here, verse 23. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits, like we just read in verse 20. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That's us. Then cometh the end, verse 24. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority over the power. So very clear there. Christ the first fruits. After that, they that are Christ at his coming, that's the rapture. Then cometh the end and then the second coming. Very, very easy to, to see that order. Back to um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And it says there, verse 4, the Antichrist... It's talking about the Antichrist who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. That's why Jesus Christ came in humility. It's the Antichrist that exalts himself. So, of course, when false religions accuse and say, well, never, he never called himself God, he never exalted himself, that's the Antichrist they're talking about. 
He didn't prove himself by coming off the cross. He proved himself by raising from the dead. And so verse 4 is talking about the abomination that Jesus Christ spoke about in Matthew 24. Talking about what's part of the great tribulation. And then when we've seen before, Matthew 24, when Jesus Christ is talking about that abomination, he references back to Daniel. And when you reference back to Daniel, see how if you haven't read that way, you're going to have to work backwards. Daniel spoke in chapter 9. What did he say? It's that all of the 70 weeks are determined on his people, including the last 70th week, which is the seven years of great tribulation. All of them are determined on Daniel's people. And so when you cross-reference back, you'll find that it's determined on the nation of Israel and the non-believers, the Christ rejectors. Verse 5, remember ye not, that's what we were speaking about. Paul tells them, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know, verse 6, that uh, what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So Paul's telling them, now you know what withholds the revealing of the Antichrist. That's the church. He's saying, now ye know what withholdeth that, uh, that he might be revealed in his time. Verse 7. For the mystery of, iniqu of iniquity doth Worketh, uh, doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. That's Jesus Christ. He's letting it. He, he's, he, will, uh, he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Until the Lord Jesus Christ and his body shall be taken out of the way. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. After that. That wicked will be revealed. That's the Antichrist. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. All the issues that the Antichrist is going to have and make, the Lord Jesus Christ not even going to touch him. He's going to consume him with the spirit of his mouth and just destroy him just by appearing. The brightness of his appearing. But we see here that there's something withholding the, the revealing of the wicked one. And there's something, uh, verse 7, only he who now letteth until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. So everyone would agree that that's the Antichrist. This Antichrist will not be able to be revealed while one is here to hinder his manifestation. There's only one person strong enough to hinder that development of this apostasy and the 21 judgments that is the, the Lord Jesus Christ and the body of the church, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The one of whom it was said by the Lord Jesus Christ that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The Great Tribulation is pretty serious and that's Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's the body of Christ must first be taken out of the way before the Antichrist comes and, and before the falling away because they go hand in hand, we saw in verse 3. And all of this points to the removal of the church, the bride, the body of Christ by her Lord in the rapture. Bride's not going to be dragged through uh, the 21 judgments. The tribulation cannot begin until after the blessed hope has become a reality. And that's what we're all waiting for. Very quickly, just differences between the Lord Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. And this will make you think, why would you be looking out for the Antichrist? He loses. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, comes from above. The Bible says the Antichrist will come from the pit. 
The Lord Jesus Christ came in the Father's name. That's why he kept repeating that as we go through verse by verse in the book of John. He keeps repeating that he comes in the Father's name. The Antichrist will come in his own name. And so if you go ahead and start believing the lie that Jesus Christ never came in his own name, these people are mixing the Antichrist with Christ. Jesus glorified the Father, the Father glorified the Son. Lord Jesus Christ came in humanity, uh, humility. The Antichrist will come in pride and exalted. The Lord Jesus Christ came despised and rejected. The Antichrist will come admired. And people will believe the lie of the false peace that he's going to bring. Lord Jesus Christ will end up being exalted later on. The Antichrist will end, uh, uh, his end is, he will be cast down. The Lord Jesus Christ does the Father's will. That's why he kept repeating, I do the Father's will. The Antichrist does his own will. Lord Jesus Christ came to save. Antichrist came to destroy. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. The Bible states that the Antichrist is the idle shepherd. Lord Jesus Christ is the true vine. Antichrist is seen as the vine of the earth. Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. The Antichrist is the father of lies. Lord Jesus Christ is manifest godliness. The Antichrist is manifest inequity. The Lord Jesus Christ is the light. The Antichrist transforms in the angel of light. Lord Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. Antichrist is the King of Pride. Lord Jesus Christ is the uh, the Prince of Peace. The Antichrist is the Prince of this world. Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord God. Antichrist is the Lord of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ will come, will come in the future with the sword and then peace. That's when he comes in the great, uh, that's when he pours out the outpouring of the great tribulation. Antichrist comes with false peace and then the sword. Lord Jesus Christ is seen as the man of sorrows. The Antichrist is seen as the man of sin. The Lord Jesus Christ is the son of God. And we just read the Antichrist is the son of perdition, which means the devil's child. Why would anyone draw any attention to the Antichrist? He's going to be consumed. When the Lord Jesus Christ wins easily, someone accused us of being satanic doctrine for preaching pre-trib. You You won't hear one lesson that I've accused anyone of satanic doctrine. Aggression comes for some because they're thinking they're going through the Great Tribulation. That's where some aggression comes, and I would too. Praise God, we've just read and we've just seen many, many verses and many more to come that we will be raptured before any of that happens. We don't want to be... um, Not sure how you can be uh, accused of false doctrine when we're encouraging people to look on Jesus Christ. But people that are encouraging going through the Great Tribulation, they're turning people's attention to wars, famines, Antichrist and all that. How can you be false doctrine when we're encouraging people to look on the Lord? Anticipate His coming. Get busy doing His work. We're going soon. That's the message. The rapture of the New Testament church and the great tribulation that God will pour out upon unbelieving Israel and Christ's rejecting world are very two different events. The church cannot pass uh, into the 70th week prophesied in the book of Daniel chapter 9 because the blessed hope is always presented as an immediate event. Could happen any time. Doesn't, doesn't show any signs beforehand. Possible to happen any time, even now, even back when Paul wrote the epistles. Back then, uh, back when the New Testament was written, and now at this present time. Let's go back. I said we would, and we'll do this quickly. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, 
verse 15. Notice the we in these passages, and then later on we're going to notice the they and them. We as a church, notice, for as this, uh, for, sorry, uh, where are we? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, Paul included, which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Notice that Paul is putting himself in the classification of the ones that are going to be alive when the rapture happens. You see what he said? That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. He's, he thinks he's going to be and he was wrong. He thought he was going to be part of the ones that stay alive. And wouldn't that be great? Not to have to go through death and the rapture happening. We just go straight up. Paul was anticipating and expecting that. Back then, 60 AD, he was saying, We're going to be, uh, he's going to be part of the ones that are alive. And then he starts talking about they that are asleep. The, the believers that already died. He thinks he's going to be the ones that are alive. And he talks about them that are asleep. Look at it again. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's he was talking about them. He was, he's pointing at them and he's saying, they're going to rise first. But as for me, verse 17, then we which are alive, he thought he was going to be alive again, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Paul classified himself as the ones that are going to be alive and the ones that are going to be caught up and meet the ones that died in, in the clouds. He was saying, I'm part of that crowd. But he wasn't because the Holy Spirit taught him to anticipate and expect the Lord's coming right now as he's writing the epistles. Meet them in the air. Be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's him again. He's saying we shall ever be in the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We as a church, we're supposed to be comforting one another. That the Lord might come now. And Paul was told, comfort one another back then. That the Lord could have came then too. Major point in this study. If science had to happen, first, Paul wouldn't be saying this. If the Antichrist had to come, or if before the Antichrist comes, or the first seal had to open, he would have mentioned it here. This was a great, great opportunity to mention it. But he's writing like, it's going to happen now. And we need to comfort ourselves with that truth. He happily passed on this truth to the believers living in Thessalonica in the early years of the church. And it's passed on to us. We and them. Very important. Verse. So you can imagine them opening the letter that Paul wrote and reading verse 17. If we look at 1 Thessalonians, we'll try to make this the last one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll look at a different portion of scripture here. When Paul talks about judgment, judgment, hang in there. We're almost there. Judgment. When we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter, nine, uh, chapter 5, he talks about judgment. The Holy, the Holy Spirit changes from the word uh, we to the word they and them. Now when it's talking about judgment. Let's see. Chapter 5 verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. What's he saying? Stop putting your focus on the times and the seasons and the signs and, and everything else. There's no need to, for you to know that. But he'll tell them anyway. Verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord 
so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they, not us, not the church, for when they shall say peace and safety, we know that's the false peace and safety that the Antichrist is going to bring. Paul's talking about them. For when they shall see peace and uh, safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon, what is it? Them. Not us. Sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Does that sound like the church to you? That's talking about the judgment of the great tribulation, and it keeps pointing to they and them. Sudden destruction, travail, and they shall not escape. Verse 4, but ye, brethren, see the difference? Big, di big difference here. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overcome you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Get to, get to work. That's what he's saying. Get busy, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Watch and be sober, be in your right mind. Don't worry about the judgments. That's for them. Sudden destruction cometh upon them. And they shall not escape. No escape for them. So the warning is of judgment is, is not for the we in 1 Thessalonians, but it's for the they in 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul was writing like he will be on the earth for the rapture. But when he's writing about the judgments that's, that's to come, he was writing that he will not be on the earth. At, this, at, the, at Christ's second coming. All the verses uh, dealing with the blessed hope are in the same manner. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. That's the same, same chapter. Verse 9, and we'll finish. For God hath not, appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll go through the, the Bible and we'll talk about what the Bible says uh, about wrath, the wrath of God, and how clear it is that we are not part of that. We have already believed. We have already trusted Christ as Savior. We're already on the winning side. We're all, already the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. He's not going to put his wrath upon us. And so that's, that's a great verse to remember. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but what, is he, what, he has, what has He appointed us to? He's appointed us to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a great threefold um, uh, aspect of salvation. We'll get to that next time in Romans. And so that's part of the salvation, that we are delivered from the wrath to come. Let's close in a word of prayer.